You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Guys, I'm Chuck Kennedy. I'm glad to be back again. I was on vacation, and I'm glad to be back. I came back. I left the beautiful fall trees of northern uh, New York and parts of Pennsylvania, and I come here, and now they're changing. So I've got an extended year this year of autumn, so it's been really nice. So thank, I'm glad to be back. So we are continuing in my series in the book of First John. So... By the way, Rick is doing a wedding today in Smoky Mountains, as we mentioned where Rick is. And so uh, so he's enjoying himself. He, he just got back in from vacation in time to take another little mini vacation. So, But we're in, in 1 John, and this is the third part of this series. And I just wanted to kind of re- do a short review. We've, we've had a couple of, of sermons on this topic. So we, we've the first thing that we talked about was in John 1.5. And that was said, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. That sums up, according to John, the message of Jesus Christ, that the light has come into the world, and there is no darkness in the light of God. And because God is light, we should walk in light. We also talked about sin and how for John... For John, the missing of the mark is to walk into the shadows, to walk into the dark. So not walking in light is what John defines as sin. Because this leaves our inner selves disconnected. We're disconnected from the character, the will, and the, and the grace of God. And he speaks of that condition in verse 8. He says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. We mentioned that to have uh, to have sin is deeper and different than to say, because it's, it's, it's a heart condition. And so that leads to our behavior of sinning. Thus, this is the place where God wants to heal. Then we spent quite a bit of time on verse 9. And that's this wondrous promise of God to forgive and to cleanse. And if we confess our sins, this is what it says, He is faithful and righteousness to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we discussed at some, at some length how God's forgiveness is a righteous act instead of a merciful act. And the reason for this is because the work of Christ on the cross, our debt is paid. And that we do not seek, not in our confession, mercy from the debt of sin. Because that debt no longer exists through Jesus Christ. I mean, that's an amazing. It's really hard for us to not get out of that mode of begging for forgiveness when the forgiveness has been granted. So thus, remember we talked about this. So in our confession, we're reminded of the Jesus of 2,000 years ago. And we're connecting to the end time Father. And that connection place is in us. And we literally are exploding with light. And He crashes right into our hearts. The Father, the Son, the Triune God all come in together. And this is an aspect of our timeless, eternal life and our expression of the divine nature in Christ. We are restored to walking in light by the complete love of the Triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore, we enter into confession and our repentance as an expression of gratitude and thanks instead of shame and groveling. A totally different perspective. So today I wanted to continue on this, but I just thought for a moment, I wanted to pause just, just to make sure. I hope that each of us really understands that the mystery and the miracle of the complete forgiveness of God is largely the reason for Christ to become human and to die on the cross. The new covenant that he ushers in to humanity as the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth has at its foundation the restoration of humanity. You and I are the focus of this so that we may become freely, so we may come freely and be forgiven. Understand this. The new covenant packet is about, is largely about that. Because Satan is defeated and humanity is restored. You know, it's no wonder in Romans 6, Paul needs to tell us that don't run out and sin more to get more forgiveness because he recognized how this power, this, this grace of God is just so overwhelming that we receive in forgiveness. In chapter 6, it starts at verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. This is Paul's language of walking in the light, the light of life. Because see, Paul understood the enormity of the power of confession and forgiveness. And he understood that God's bounty of grace and love is released at the moment of our turning our faces to God so that he may turn his to us. Now, we're going to continue now in chapter 2. That was just a review. So let's read just the next two verses. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation of our, for our sins, and not for ourselves only, not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Here John says why he wrote this letter, so that you may not sin. Then in chapter 5, he continues that thought, actually, so that you may have eternal life. So he's connecting the sin with the eternal life. And John uses this term, little children, which literally is born ones. And he, his letter from chapter 1 was always we. This becomes very personal, singular, and he's, he's talking to now new Christians. And as, he's, as if he's warning children, don't play with fire, because you know, sin is life-threatening. John, Actually, Jesus gives us the term little children. And it comes in, in the Gospel of John in chapter 13. And it's when he, Jesus is telling the, the apostles that he's leaving. And he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. 
So he's being very gentle as he's giving him the news of, I'm about to go. And they're, they're like in a panic. Remember, he gives a, a long discussion about a new command, about love and everything else. And all Peter's saying is, where are you going? I mean, he was like a little kid. So, so then he, he says, but remember, he said, I'm writing these things. And that's the issue of sin and its tragic results. So before I really get into these verses, I want to clear up a little misconception about how it relates to sin. I have always, in the past, uh, looked at these verses a little differently. See, John's acknowledging that we may step out of light into sin. But it's far from him making sin acceptable. That is not part of the life of a follower of Jesus. I took kind of a flippant view of it, that, well, we're only human. We need to take the view that we're humans indwelt by the triune God. We're indwelt by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by their grace and power, we have authority over sin. John doesn't say, I'm writing these things so that you really, really try to cut back on all your sin. And, you know, to say, if anyone sins, does not give an excuse by John. John's discussing the wondrous glory of, of Jesus. There's a per place of a perfect solution if man does sin. We have an advocate. But there is no allowance for sin, but a perfect provision in case we do sin. There's no need for sin. There's no right to sin. There's no compromise with sin, but a provision in case we sin. On board of a ship, there's a provision for life preservers. But there's no association with the intent to have a shipwreck. Because the, to God and to John, sin is a shipwreck. It's a tragedy. It's a rare tragedy that threatens life. And so that's, that's kind of what we're talking about here. So we have an advocate, a parakletos, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And as most of you know, Jesus told us about a coming parakletos. Remember, he said a comforter. And that would be the Holy Spirit. And this is the exact same word, by the way. But Jesus has already seen himself as an advocate at the right side of the Father when he's discussing this. Because he says, another will come. Another like him. Different, but like him. It sounds weird to say that, but that's what the word means. So, that's what another helper means. So, here we have two advocates. We have the Father on our behalf, or Jesus with the Father on our behalf, and one dwelling in us on behalf of Jesus. By the way, this is not a small, small thing. This is our glimpse of heaven. Do you remember heaven is supposed to come to earth? and be one with earth, when we have a human body in Jesus Christ, 100% human, in heaven, and then we have human bodies on earth with heaven in us, that's our glimpse of heaven. We can't miss that. That's really, really important. So we, now we know Jesus' role as an, of an advocate is, is part of it is an intercessor. Rick's been doing a whole series, sermon series on the great priestly prayer of, of Jesus, 
in uh, most recently in chapter 17. But he also, you see it in Hebrews, you see it in Romans, where he's an intercessor. But here the context is sin. And we see a different nuance to the term of advocate or paracletus. You know, most people see Jesus in heaven as an attorney speaking in defense. I used to even think that Jesus was convincing God to, 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 uh, to forgive us. But I want you to remember again, remember verse 1-9. If we can confess our sins, he is faithful in righteousness to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no begging. There's no trial. There's no attorney. So this is something very different. It says the advocate is with the Father. That language is identical to the Gospel of John 1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. It meant that they were face to face. Jesus has been restored to his glory of what he was before. And he is face to face with God now. And it says, then, but now here it doesn't say God, it says Father. And with the context of us being called little children, the advocate is very, very different. Because the debt's been paid, and that case has been settled 2,000 years ago. The blood of Christ has settled this issue. And remember when we talked about the word confession, we said it was deeper than admitting that you were wrong. It's a confession is about the restoration of relationship damaged by the wrong. So when we, 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 all of us that are married know how that kind of works. Just saying I'm sorry probably isn't going to be enough. <laughs> Because they're still wanting to know what our motives were and what, what, what was going on in our little head. So, we really, this is a family moment to come to confession. I want you to understand that. We all need to be cleansed of unrighteousness in our family relationship. We all need to be made right in our family relationship. And we, sometimes we need an advocate to, to make me know I'm clean that I'm washed by the blood and righteousness of my advocate. So this is, you're all sitting around in the house, and maybe it's Uncle Bob or maybe it's an older brother, but someone's trying to bring everybody back together, together again. And so the advocacy of Jesus is to heal, mend, and restore the love of God with our brokenness and shame. Jesus steps in, covers us with his purity, imputing it to us, making us whole again. His advocacy is not an attorney. There's not an argument going on in heaven about whether you're forgiven or not. That was decided long ago. What the advocacy is, is to bring you together again in a love relationship. So this is not adversarial. We must never come to confession thinking that it's an adversarial thing. Jesus and the Father along with the Holy Spirit are always all of one mind. Okay? There's never a discussion or convincing the one of truth. Truth comes to the one of truth. You don't teach God anything. You don't convince him, okay, this is the way it really is here, God. Okay? Now, what happens? Why do we ever change God's mind? Technically, no. But what happens is, in our prayer, our position changes. 
the person that's standing over here that was sinning, the person that's praying starts to shift into the light. We come under the light. And now our situation has changed, so his reaction to us is changing. So we're the ones changing by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the thing is, unlike at Eden, we don't run and hide. Adam and Eve hid. And, but we run to him, seeking restoration. We run to the love of the Father without hesitation. This is something that we really have to understand this. We don't cower in fear. We rush to the Father to be healed again. Because Jesus has paid for our sins. It says he's the propitiation, or another word of atoner, of, of our sins and the sins of the world. Do you understand what this means? The sins of the world have been forgiving. Now we have to confess our sins to acquire the grace of that, but it's, it's on the shelf just waiting for the person to come along and pick up, if you will. You got an IOU waiting for them. So that's why it says we do nothing to receive this grace. I used to kind of think it was okay, I do my part and God does his part. So if I come to him and I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, then he forgives me. Instead, he's already forgive, forgiven me. All I have to do is say, Lord, you're right, I need forgiveness. Can I have it now? Very different. We don't do anything. Jesus has done it all. The, the advocacy of Jesus Christ is to bring us into a face-to-face -face connection with the Father. This eternal connection that Jesus and the Father shares has now become a place for us. That as the Jesus and the Father are one, we now come along with them because the advocate brings us alongside so we're now face to face with them. This is why all through the book of Hebrews it talks about boldly going to the throne of God. Boldly going into the, the coming out of the outer courts of, the, of, of the heaven and stepping into the throne room. Because we have an advocate there that has already given us an invitation. You have an invitation. So when, they, when you go to the grand ball, as it were, and they ask for your invitation at the door, you say, Jesus Christ, and you're, you enter. You don't say Alakazam. You don't say... You know, I, I, Rick was just doing this verse, but I just love it so much I had to put it up there again to talk about this oneness that we have. Verse 17, 11 says, I'm no longer in the world. This is Jesus speaking. Yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. You know, the prayer that Jesus prayed roughly 2,000 years ago is now a reality because of his blood. Our genuine heartfelt confession resulting in forgiveness and, and righteousness, was the prayer on the lips of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Your confession is the answer to his prayer, that we may be one 
with the Godhead as they are one. This is the eternal covenant sealed by Jesus. And because this covenant, though, has the provision of forgiveness, it's self-healing. So when this covenant is broken, there's provision for healing and for correcting and to make this eternal covenant last. Because Christ has become the mediator on both sides of the covenant. He represents us as man in heaven, and he also is God in heaven. And so he is there to, to, to seal this. Do you understand that when Adam and Eve fell, and I'm sorry, when, yes, when Adam and Eve fell, Satan absolutely thought it was a done deal. He was positive that mankind had to be destroyed. Positive. Because he knows God. And he knows God must be righteous. That God must be just. And there was not a sacrifice that man could muster. There was once defiled humanity had no solution or no course of action for restoration. It's no wonder they're wondering what Jesus is doing here if it wasn't end time. Remember, they, they, they even asked that when he cast out the uh, legion of demons, and they said, are you going to throw me into a, to the abyss? Because that was an end time event. Because they're like, what are you doing here then? They don't have, Satan hasn't got, didn't have this thing figured out. And then when he gets mankind tricked into crucifying Jesus, he thinks it's a total done deal. But I want you to hear this. Jesus has risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And by grace, the same resurrection power of God, by that power, we have been made alive. We have been raised up and we have been seated with Christ. If there's anybody in this room today or anyone at home that's listening and you're feeling kind of stuck where you seem to fight the same challenges over and over and over again, I mean, really, today's your day. This is your day. You have an advocate in Jesus Christ, the head of his body, the church. The advocacy that flows from the head moves by the Holy Spirit through his entire body. We are all here to form, to, as, to be advocates. Do you understand? We are to come alongside those that are, have fallen, those that are broken, those that are outside of the light. And we'd love to pray for anyone that's stuck. We would love to pray for you because we want to come alongside of you. Now, if you're at home and, and you can't get to, contact the church and say, I need someone to pray for us. We have people that that's, that's the best part of their day is to pray for people. And so let's not miss that opportunity. Come before the Lord today and give thanks and give gratitude because he's already forgiven every sin. Anything you possibly could have done. So he wants to bring you life. As you probably know, you know everyone has those certain verses that you kind of like claim as your own, but uh, this is kind of a, a little bit of a long one. But Ephesians 2, to me, is just about is the most remarkable chapter of the entire Bible for me. I can, you, you, 
I can be offended. I can have someone do something terrible to me. I can be someone terrible. I can, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I can go there and just go, oh my goodness. And it's like the Holy Spirit responds. Let's read this one together. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You know, first of all, let's pause right there. How many of us have ever sinned because of pride? Well, you know, I mean, here we go. Hey, dead man, th think about this for a second. <laughs> I mean, I just, that, that's, I have a lot of sins because of pride. Uh, and it always brings me right back down to earth. You're dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked, formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the prince that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as they rest, even at even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God had prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You know, I, that phrase, with Christ, in this passion, this, this passage, has the implication of him cradling us, actually. That he lifts us up by cradling us. He's, 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 it's not that we just kind of float with him. He, he cradles us up and brings us with him into the heavenly places. That it's a personal, loving, one-on-one -on -one moment in time that our forgiveness has brought us to this place. See, when we, go, we come to confession, when we come to him, this is restored every time. Every time that we admit our wrong, we come to him. That in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Give it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That the confession then leads to and lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is in our confession that the deliverance comes. Because we're supposed to go to dark places. We're supposed to be light in dark places. Because we walk in light. And by walking in light, we don't reflect light because that means we're unaffected by the light. The light flows through us and out of us that the light of God, Christ comes out of us. So don't say that I reflect the light of God because then the mirror is not affected by the light. 
I say, I've absorbed his light, and what comes from him comes to you. So this is what happens every time we come to confession. This is a glorious moment. There's no better way, most of you already know this, that, that spend time in prayer. You have, those of us have a little bit of a dry prayer time, start with a confession time. Start with a time when you were outside of the light. And then start having a conversation with God about this. When you start talking to Father and you start talking to Jesus and you start asking for solutions, and then they, all of a sudden your mind starts to awaken. And I'm going to even suggest, say it out loud. Verbalizing it changes everything. Because it, it, what it does is it crystallizes it. How many, you know how, how many thoughts I have before I put them on, in, on, on paper? Oh, I got this. I got this. I, I know what I'm going to say. And I start to write it down. What am I supposed to say? But when you, when, you, when you confess out loud, you're giving recognition and your mind is, is thinking, and then it connects. And then it's a hallelujah mountain. I, I, you know, people say, I love to come to church because I always feel so good when I leave. Coming to confession makes you feel so good for the day. And then, when you, especially when you make it part of your evening prayer, that now you invite, after your confession, you're inviting Christ into your dream world. You talk about getting a good night's sleep. You've released everything. You've invited Christ into your dream world. We have to really come to an understanding that our covenant relationship with Christ is so personal. I mean... I don't know of anyone in a, in a successful marriage that doesn't, they, there's not constant confession going back and forth. I'm sorry about that, honey. I, I, I meant to do that, and I didn't, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's a, it's a cup that didn't get washed, but there's a confession. Because we're always in that, that, that mode of don't let anything harm the most important relationship we have out here on earth. And so God's always wanting us to do that with him. Because the confession is the reestablishment of, of relationship. It's not get, keeping you from going to hell. It's from keeping you from being absent from the light of God. This is so important to understand this. I have told so many people this, that if, if you were to take away the promise of heaven, I'd still be a Christian. Just because of the relationship I can have right now with Christ. It, it, it's so important. And it supersedes anything else that's going wrong in, in our life. It's so powerful that it just can overwhelm anything else going wrong in life. After you've done your confession, and after you've prayed with God, and then you go, okay, Doc, what did you say again? I really don't care. I mean, then you, then you, you look at your checking account, and you go, oh, am I using blue ink this week? You know. It, because what happens is, everything is put into perspective. And when Christ is first, he puts you first, and everything flows from that. I'm just saying, make, make it a regular part of your day. Day, not once. I remember as a Catholic, we used to say, bless us, Father, for we have sinned. It's been so long since my last confession, and these are my sins. And we gave this little list of sins. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is how we were out of the light. What, you know, we don't have to, 
we, we, can, we can have sins of omission. We can have, there's just a lot of times we just, we're kind of like nasty and we think we got away with it. And, and I don't mean nasty like horrible, horrible, but we think, oh, well, I got, that was a good zinger. I got them good. I, that's mine. And I look and I go, that was kind of hurtful. You know, I made everybody else laugh at them instead of laugh with them. Then sometimes it's a zinger that you know is, it's a friendly thing and everybody kind of had a good time with it. But we go, I cross the line sometimes. I've always got to be there. And that's my, that's my out of the light. Because I know I've done harm. Sometimes it's not being kind to someone who is serving us that's having a bad day. That happens all the time. I, but I got to tell you, after going, being on this vacation, I saw God so many different times. Three different times. It wasn't like major, but something came up. And I, I, three times, we just had a cancellation. We can fit you right in. One to get the car done. Another one was to see a, to go to the waterfall thing, Niagara Falls. I mean, there's just, another one had to do with a dinner. Saturday night, I didn't have reservations. And I walk up, do you have a reservation? No. Well, we, you're going to have to have a reservation. Then the lady goes, oh, we just had a cancellation. For, if it's a table for two? Yeah. We just had a cancellation right this way. Wow. I mean, it's these kind of, God was all over the place. But, you know, he just wants to, he wants to make your life so much easier. Allow it. So let's take the, the host. This is the eternal body of Christ. The body that still lives, that still lives in heaven, that, that was broken for us. The body, the incarnate Christ, it came to us to give us the righteousness of a, Christ, of a life of perfection. Jesus Christ. Amen. And it says he took the cup. The cup of the new and eternal covenant for the forgiveness of sins. And he said, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. And in memory, we're not just saying we have a pause to remember. This is a, is a time where we celebrate and reconfirm our connection to Christ in covenant with him through his blood. Amen. I'd like to close this with a prayer from Hebrews. I even broke down and used the Passion Translation. It's Hebrews 13, 20, 21. Now may the God who brought us peace by raising from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ so that he would be the great shepherd of his flock. And by the power of the blood of the eternal covenant, may he work perfection into every part of you, giving you all that you need to fulfill your destiny. And may he express through you all that is excellent and pleasing to him through our life union with Jesus, the anointed one, who is to receive all glory forever. Amen. As the worship team comes to, to do their final song, I want us to really understand the, the nature and the power of the union we have with Christ. Through his blood, incredible grace. And by the way, grace is, my definition of grace is the will of God 
being released in power. And that's what grace is. His will being released through you with power. And so I'm just going to ask you today, take the lyrics and really connect with them. And just, if, if you feel like dancing, dance. If you feel like waving flags, wave flags. If you want to clap and jump, there's nothing going to stop you. Yell, dynamite all you want. Be joyful in the Lord in our worship and in our singing to Him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.